Welcome to Faith Bible College International's podcast, where we share spirit-filled preaching, teaching, and encouragement. For everyone living to make a world of difference in their life and the lives around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm kind of excited to to minister what God has given to me to give to you today. While you're turning to the book of Hebrews, next week is going to be a great week. Campus days is going to be so good. I can't wait to see what God does here through you, through us. And whoever's running the screens, can you put scripture up? Can you put scripture up like without me sending it to you? Can you just put a scripture up? There's motion. Is that a yes? It is? Would you put up Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 in the New King James, if you would? These guys have got it. They're going to throw in Bibles and phones and digital devices. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, if you don't mind, I'm just going to, what time is it? Did somebody steal the clock? Where's the clock? 11.44. Thank you. But where's the clock? There it is right there. Was that there the whole time? It was? No, it wasn't? I didn't see it, but it's there now. All right, 1144, okay. Um, Hebrews chapter five, verse 12. Have you ever been ruined? Have you ever had something ruined? Yeah, I mean, not spiritual, or you, like something, like you went somewhere and you always liked it, but you had one bad experience and it was ruined. You ever been there? You ever had something ruined? And sometimes that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. One time I got desperately sick eating Skittles. And, uh, and, uh, and I'll, that ruined me from Skittles, amen. I, now, I'm not a worse person because of it. They don't, there's no benefit to them, but uh, certain things. I hope that today's message will ruin a mindset that is too prevalent today. And, and I don't mean that. In a, in, I hope it ruins you for your good and for your help. But if I've ever felt like I, that God was speaking something that a generation needed, I'm not trying to overplay this, but I believe that this is this scripture. This scripture should be read a whole lot more often. But because some of Hebrews is a little vague to some, uh, then it's left behind. But I, I'm convinced today that this maybe is one of the more important scriptures that could be read to your generation. And I'll explain to you why. But I hope it ruins an, a mentality that has been ruining you. I want to see something ruined that is maybe ruining you. And so how many want ruined things, things that ought to be ruined, get ruined, amen, in Jesus' name? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Does anybody have a translation that has a different word in verse 14 for full age? Mature. Anybody else? Any other words? Anybody got something that says perfection? Completion? All right, that's good enough. That'll work for us. I want to talk to you today about temptation. Temptation. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us, I pray, fresh through this scripture. Help us to know what this scripture is saying to us today. 
And Lord, I pray that anything that is a mentality that is contrary to this scripture is ruined <laughs> because we don't want that ruining us. And I don't want that ruining these men and women that you have called forth for such a time as this. So Lord, do a good job ruining us, I pray <laughs> in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. And you know, most people when they first get saved, and you'll want to go back to that scripture. I'll ask for it when we get there. When most people, when we got saved, we got saved because we wanted to get rid of something in our life. Right? Most people, when they get saved, they came to Christ because there was something in their life they wanted to get rid of. Shame, guilt, addiction, pain, bad relationships, sickness, whatever it is. And so I think that's not out of the ordinary and I don't think that's uh, grieving to the Lord. But there's another level that as you serve the Lord, not only do you, uh, do you want to get stuff out of your life, now you get to the point where God says, there's stuff I want to get out of your life. Yeah. And getting the stuff out of our life we don't like is enjoyable. <laughs> getting the stuff out of our life that God doesn't like is not so enjoyable, especially if we like it. When we first get saved, there's people we want out of our life and we're glad they're gone. Then we serve the Lord for a while and God says, I want these people out of your life. And you're like, no. But God says, they got to go. They must weave now. They're gone. And so this is the process of sanctification. And, and so let me back up a little bit giving some perspective from where we're all at right now, I would suggest that much of our temptation or issues, not, you know, all temptation isn't just to sin. Some temptation is an unresolved issue. And there are so many things that are affecting you today from what happened to you or what was taking place in your teens. In your teenage years, you had no idea how moldable and how impacted you were by what was going on. And so it's amazing to me how much God allows to happen in the seven years, perhaps, or whatever, your younger life. And I believe that God allows a lot of these things to circulate your life and temptations and issues to teach you that if you can discipline yourself at that age, then you will be disciplined when you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. But a person that lives totally undisciplined in their teen years will really struggle to live disciplined in their 30s. And so if we can train you to become a godly, dependable, committed person when you're 17, the chances of you running out on your family and doing something stupid when you're 37 is very small. Now, I'm not saying that if you did anything wrong in your teens that you're doomed for failure. I'm just saying that that is an area that God has allowed in our lives that is very, very vulnerable. So in your teens, you, 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 you're being surrounded and, and you're, 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 just, you're not fully developed. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> then you get into your 20s and you're still kind of in la-la land. Like, let me just tell you, as I look across here, I see la-la land. Now you have to be in la-la land a little bit because Joseph received all his dreams in his 20s. I mean, in his teens, but was executing them in his 20s because you need a little bit of, of gullibility, a little bit of a naive, being naive about life, and you need that. And, and, and we're not here to, to squash that. You need to be naive to get married. Can I get it? <laughs> 
You need to be naive to do some of the things. That, that, that's not a bad thing. That's why you want to be in God's will, especially when you're naive. But then you get into your 30s and you start thinking, you start thinking wait a minute. There's some things about me that ain't right. Right? So for me, like the 30s, that, that decade was, was the most challenging of them. But then when you get into your, your 40s, you're like, okay, that's what it is. And then I'll tell you what the 50s are like in 10 years. <laughs> but what happens through all of these different seasons is that different doors are opened or closed to temptation. Right. Now for you, I don't think the temptation is to rob a bank or to commit domestic terrorism. Uh, um, I don't think that's it. I think for most of you, the temptation is to go back into carnality. Yeah. Carnal ways, attitudes, disrespect, lack of commitment. Okay, I, I don't think that you're contemplating your next drug deal. I was hoping for an amen there. I, I, was, I, was, I was putting it out there and you, di you disappointed me terribly right there. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Temptation, there, there's an area, and, we, and we'll get into this as we go forward. I'm not going to cover it all today. But may I just back up and tell you that temptation doesn't mean that you're not righteous. The vulnerability, the issues, the struggles, the challenges, your stubbornness, your ignorance, your error, your arrogance <laughs> is not a statement that you're not righteous. But it puts you in a position for God to deal with those areas of your life to make you manifest righteousness. Yeah. Now, let's back up a little bit further. It is awfully hard for God to use you when you let everything else use you. It is awfully hard for God to use you in the gifts of the Spirit when the way people treat you and the way people talk to you and if you get likes or dislikes or somebody abandons you or, 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 or lusts or evil desires or greed or jealousy. It's hard, for, it's hard for God to use you when jealousy's using you. It's hard for God to use you when you're keeping score with everybody else trying to keep it even. I'm just saying these are the things that, that God doesn't want this out of your life because he hates you. He wants this out of your life because he can't use you. It's not that you're not righteous. You're just not usable. And so we have to deal with a thing called sin at a time called temptation. I grew up hearing constantly this word temptation. I don't hear it as much anymore. But the reason people are falling to sin is because they fail at the time of temptation. Okay? And if you're sitting in here tonight and you're breathing, you've been tempted. I used to, when I go to the prison, when I was a chaplain up on the hill, I used to say to the guys over and over again, the only difference between you and I is I'm smarter than you. I didn't get caught. <laughs> they didn't appreciate it <laughs> at all. <laughs> so everybody in this place, if you say I am not tempted, you might be, you might be apostate. <laughs> everybody else gets tempted. And it may not be to the same thing. But temptation is temptation. And I'm just telling you, instead of trying to deal with the sin, we should be dealing with the temptation. 
God never called us to have sin management. God called us to have flesh management. Because you could be in this college and, and you can be faculty and living in sin. I'm going to clean house today. You can be faculty and in sin and battle it and battle it and battle it and battle it and, and then, and no, the, the victory is not won at the sin. The victory is won at temptation. But here's what I want to tell you. You don't fight temptation with your will. It's not willpower. Is anybody relieved to hear me say that? Because if it was willpower, how many of you got the will to not sin? Three of you. That's why I'm preaching the message. Let me try it one more time. How many of you have a will to say, I don't want to sin? Stop. How many of you have broken your will in sin? Just a minute, I want to get one more picture. No, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't it be nice to just be real and say, look, I'm winning. I promise you, you will not win by willpower. Put all the filters on your phone if you want. I'm just jumping right into the deep end already. Let me, ju- let me just give you a revelation. You know, people did lust before the phone. No, I know, you're like, man, if I didn't have the phone. Oh, really? Before there was DVDs and VHS, before there was television, before there was pencils and ink, do you know that people struggled with sex before that? You're looking at me like that's a revelation. People dealt with temptation long before the phone came around. So the victory is not in your filter. The victory is when temptation walks through the door. I'm trying to help you. Okay, I I, got to be careful because I know where I'm going. And I'm not even to the rough stuff yet. Hebrews 5 verse 12. Are you ready? For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be. Somebody say this. You ought to be teachers. Now he's not speaking to educational facilities. He's talking to believers. And he says by now. By now you should be teaching. By now this should not be a problem. There was a there's this thing when when in in the when in America the settlers were moving west that there were Christian organizations that wanted to do everything they could to get these settlers saved and bring the gospel. So they had tent meetings and they called them uh, they called them uh, uh, tear uh, uh, dust and tears. They would build tents and they would bring the settlers in and they would preach them a hot message and they would cry and repent and then they would send them out to settle the rest of the country. The problem was they had this great tent meeting and everybody went out feeling good but they were not rooted in Christ. All they had was a feeling and an experience and tears but that's what they took and that's why you see a lot of dead churches going west (laughs) because they were built on people who were students 
We're never given the opportunity to become teachers. And there's no way that you and I are going to serve God successfully, publicly or privately, if we remain students. The key to killing sin is to kill temptation. And the key to killing temptation is to become a teacher. You can become a monk and live in the middle of nowhere. And how many understand you could still get in trouble? Hebrews 5.12, here we go. You should be teachers. A teacher, this word literally means, could we turn the heat up? Could it get any hotter in here? <laughs> if we have air, I'd take it. It is hot. All right, anyways, teachers. Someone who has already mastered a subject. He's saying you're in a place that you should be teaching others, but Paul, maybe it's Paul, said I have to come back and I have to keep bringing you back to the basics. And since you're satisfied with stumbling, all you get is milk. Read it, right? You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You just... Paul is saying, you should have had victory over this by now. But because you don't have victory over this, you can't take doctrine. You can't take real church. You can't have it without entertainment. You can't have it unless it's palatable. The ability to preach the gospel is not totally based on the pulpit. It's based on the people being willing to say, I don't have to stumble. I don't have to keep failing. You know how you pass classes at Faith Bible College? You pass the classes. If you keep failing, what do you do? Take the class again. If you really like it, fail it. So you get to take it again. And what God is saying is, you're getting tested. You're giving opportunities. And if you keep stumbling, you'll keep talking about you want something better, but you can't handle better because you keep stumbling. He says, I can't build on a foundation of somebody who stumbles. At some point, you have to stop choking on tithing. You have to stop choking. Talk about offering. You have to stop choking on the blood. You have to stop choking on holiness. You have to stop choking on prayer. You have to stop choking on celibacy. Come on, you have to stop choking on it. But when somebody comes in with a strong word and it makes you choke, you're not a teacher. You might be a blogger, but you're a child. The flowing of the word of God is not based on the oratorical ability of a preacher. It is the inability of a generation that just wants milk. And the problem is, you can't live on milk. The solid food, do you see in the scripture right here? Oh, I knew you'd get this. Solid food, that which will not weigh or will not budge, is what solid food means. Solid food is that which will not weigh, waver, or will not budge. When I bring in milk, that's not going to give me much strength. But when I eat food, that gives me strength. That gives me energy. In other words, what he's saying is, when you become a person who can eat meat, who can handle the truth, 
then when you walk into a room, you don't reflect the atmosphere of the room. If it's not Christ, you change the atmosphere of the room. But when you walk into a room that's full of gossip and full of anger and full of lies and full of bitterness and full of defeat and you just blend into the room, you're drinking milk. But when you eat meat and you walk into a room that's full of doubt, the room changes because somebody brought in some weight. Come on, somebody. When you walk into a room of depression, you don't get depressed. You bring victory. Why? Because you're not on milk anymore, baby. You got something to bring some weight. I'm not, I'm not a thermometer. I'm a thermostat. Let's move on. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That word unskilled is simple-minded or immature. <laughs> if you, and you will hear anybody say, well, I don't go to church anymore because nobody called me. That's code for I'm ankle deep in doctrine. <laughs> and I just want milk. Because when you got meat, Nothing anybody can do will move you, including temptation. Okay, hang in there. So, so how many of you don't want to be babes? Come on, guys. How many of you guys do not want to be babes? What a babe. Come on, ladies. Watch this. Verse 14. I'm going to wrap this all up in just a minute, but I just like teaching this way. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Remember, we're talking about temptation. I'm going to get back to it in a minute. Full age. That word age is teleos. There are two words for perfection or maturity. One is a completed project. A completed project. So my Bible, my Bible at one time was just paper and, and ink. But I'm assuming lastly they put a cover on it. It was not completed or mature or perfect until the cover was on. That's something added. But teleos means something that is completed in a process. And so teleos is I'm here, but I need to get to Johnny. That's the journey. Yeah. Yeah. When I finally fulfill the process of getting here, I am completed. I am perfect. So I should not post anything about my spiritual walk from here to there. <laughs> because when your favorite Christian preacher or singer texts or posts before they get there, they can adequately say, I'm hypocritical. I fall. I stumble. I'm a mess, but God takes a mess and makes something miracle out, a miracle out of it. That's a confession that I'm still wanting milk. This, it's okay to not be okay, is the statement of somebody that is willing to admit, I just need milk. I just want to be a student over and over and over and over. I'm, I'm not being, so I don't want to be that guy. I'm 
I'm that guy. <laughs> to tell you to never let your standard down. This is the way I am. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Indian. I'm Irish. You're carnal. And you don't have to live down here stumbling over and oh Jesus Jesus loves you you're righteous you go in the right direction but if I was you until you get there I wouldn't post where you're at if you just get saved and you've lived a life of godlessness and you want to say you know what I'm struggling but I'm still serving I'm battling but I'm still going forward there's nothing wrong with that but once you become a leader you're setting the standard for every follower and if I get up here and tell you there's 15 areas of my life that I can't find any victory in you're going to allow 15 areas of your life that you cannot get victory in and I'm not saying that God doesn't love you I'm just saying that's not completion that's not maturity and that's not all God can do hallelujah I'm glad he saved you I'm glad he freed you I'm glad he's got you on your way to heaven but don't settle don't settle with stumbling but press to the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus it is not wrong to say I have been hypocritical I don't know if anybody knows who I'm talking about and it's not wrong to say I have been a mess I asked Micah this morning before he went to work I said let me say something to you I'm hypocritical I'm a mess I'm blah 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 and he says haven't you been <laughs> you punk I said yes but not as much as I used to be. Is there anybody in this place perfect? Absolutely not. Are you getting better? That's the question. There's no condemnation in here. I got an issue. I got a battle. But it's not okay to let this issue live. Because the only way that Hebrews 5 says that you can kill sin is to kill temptation. And the only way to kill temptation is to grow up. Oh, this is incredibly good news. That you can outgrow your temptation. Your temptation to get bitter. The temptation to look back. The temptation to compare. I'll show you how. I'll show you how. Watch this. Watch this. Um, um, that is those who by reason of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Senses. Somebody say senses. It is an instrument or organ of perception. And some writers say that it's not even your soul or your spirit. So what... What the writer is saying, come on guys, this is so encouraging for us real people who've been through some things in life, who have some issues that we just believe that Jesus is able to heal completely. Amen. Here's the good news right here. Look what he says. By reason of use of their senses, they have exercised to discern. 
when that door opens, is good or evil coming through that door? Lead us not into temptation. Sometimes when we are not growing, evil is at the door. But because we don't discern it as evil, we say, come in. And the closer it gets, the smaller you get, and the stronger it gets. Come on. I know this is tight, but I have the ability for us to talk about this because we're family here. Okay? If you can learn to have an expectation that I will not stumble, I will grow in every area of the process that God has for me. So there was a study done in 2012. If I hope that I can accurately replay it to you. And they surveyed a group of people about temptation. And this is what they found out. Let me go. I just want I want to say that there was a line, and I read it early this morning. They did this study, 205 people concerning willpower and temptation. Let me just read you a couple sentences. Probably, the participants were given blackberries. That tells you how long ago it was. That would randomly text questions about what desires, temptation, self-control they were experiencing in the moment. Most of us ascribe to the idea that self-control is an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other battling it out. We tend to think of people with strong willpower as people who are able to win the battle and choose the angel at the higher percentage. But actually, the researchers stumbled onto a paradox. Here's what they found. The people who were at best at resisting temptation reported fewer temptations. I'm going to read that to you one more time. It's 148 degrees in here, and you've been in class all day, and now I'm reading something. So I'm going to say it to you one more time. Here's what they found out. The people who were the best at resisting temptation reported fewer temptations. Another way to say it is that people who excel at self-control rarely need it. I promised myself today I would not eat a donut. I had an appointment in Bangor I had to go to, and I said, I need a coffee. And I'm telling you, because the devil is a liar, that glazed vanilla donut that's eight feet long stared me right in the eye. And it said, I dare you to eat me. I said, I take the challenge, and I ate her in Jesus' name. (laughs) Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Duncan, get thee behind, because victory today is mine. And before I left Walmart, I had half of it in my godly belly, in Jesus' name. (laughs) The chances of me eating that stupid donut, being at Dick's, is a whole lot less. I bought dough urine at Dick's and a donut at Dunkin' Donuts. I'll explain why if you don't know. See Andy Dreyer. <laughs> yeah, if I smell a little funky, you'll know I spilled some honey on the way. Anyways, wrong crowd. Um, I heard old black preachers say, 
if you don't want to eat the devil's apples, stay out of the devil's orchard. If they're not good for you, stay away. If it's not good for you, stay away. If you can't handle this phone, put it away until you can. Y'all okay? Let's see. Did they have anything else to say to add to my message? The researchers discovered something else too. After studying the people who supposedly lack willpower and self-control, they found they consistently have to make the right choice is exhausting. The people who regularly put themselves in positions to be tempted but made the right choice discovered willpower is a commodity. The more you use, the less you have. Your brain gets tired when it's put in situations where it has to keep choosing the right thing to do. Here's the point. If your plan to beat the devil is always to make the right choice, you're a fool. You can't read your mind and he can't, ma- he can't read your mind and he can't make you do anything. But he's really good at what he does. He knows how to get your attention. You only have so much willpower and self-control. It's science. The, blessed, the best plan of action is not to fight, it's to flee. And I would disagree with that. I know the Bible says flee the appearance of evil. But Hebrews says you don't, have to, you don't have to run from it if it never gets near you. Now if it gets near you, run. Right? If that creepy dude with a backpack runs up behind you and leaves it, you know what to do. Run. (laughs) Right? Yeah, run. (laughs) If she shows up in your room, run. (laughs) If you're at the wedding and they got, and you think it's alcohol, run. (laughs) Right? Hello? They're going to the wrong movie? Run. If you're Dunkin' Donuts? Buy it. Come on, you gotta do something. Come on, you gotta do something. (laughs) I gotta eat something. good news? No, I came with really good news on a really tough subject. You can outgrow this thing. You can get stronger. That's why God called you here. Break these chains. Can I, just like a three minute illustration, I really wanted to save it for the next message, but my dad, I grew up, my dad flew radio control airplanes. Are you playing the piano, Zenia? You want to play? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. And uh, in a radio control, anybody ever flown a radio control airplane? Yeah, a few. Or drones, right? You've seen drones. There's a servo. I call it a servo in an airplane. And my dad would have a radio here with a controller. And there might be 10 or 15 planes at this place that they flew. And my dad would, would fly his airplane. And whatever he did down here, he could control it up there because he had access to a servo that was inside. If he wanted to go up, wanted to go down, wanted to go left, right, bank, whatever, that's what he did. But what's interesting is that he never did control anybody else's plane. He could never control Bill's plane because he didn't have access to the servos in Bill's plane. You know what I found out? As I grow, the devil has no access to the servos in my plane or in my thinking, my brain. So everything that I've been through in the past, and we've all been through some garbage. Can I tell you something? The enemy has no control over you. 
take out the servo and put one for the frequency of the word of God and you wake up in the morning and you're not going to let how people treat you or not treat you or what you did in the past determine your future. You're going to get up and say, I've been controlled by the Holy Ghost. They that are vested in the spirit will live. Come on, sow to the spirit and reap life. And I just want to be God's plane that he just shifts and controls. It's not a name issue. It's not an ethnicity issue. It's not your past. It's not even your environment. It's not your environment. It's your maturity. How many want to commit to the process and say, Lord, grow me up? Because I want to overcome every issue. I want to come overcome every temptation. Come on, somebody. I want to live that kind of life. When I compare, can you put that scripture back up? When I compare, but strong meat belongs to that. Go back to the first 12, verse 12, if you would. For when you ought to be teachers, you have need that you be taught again for the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as of need milk and a strong meat. Stop right there. That is where there's an entire generation of Christians in America right here. They just keep stumbling. They just keep stumbling. They just, and COVID just actually knocked some people to the ground. But keep going. Verse 13. Watch this. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the world of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14. But strong meat belongs to them that are a full age. Even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This is not the picture of somebody who is a Christian leader who gets up and says, you know, I'm weak, I, tr I stumble. It's a picture of somebody who has gone through the process to say, watch me. I have graduated to a whole nother level. Yes. I love this generation. You love our generation, but please hear me. You set the bar. Staff and faculty, we set the bar. This place shall never be more spiritual than we are, nor holier than we are. Students, you set the bar when you go out to lead your ministry. Don't expect anybody to have more victory than you. Don't expect anybody to have more faith than you. Don't expect anybody to live more holy than you because you set the standard. And what the Apostle Paul said is, I've set the standard and I've come to tell you, I don't care if you're orphaned. I don't care if daddy walked out on you when you're young. I don't care if your mama abused you. I don't care if your pastor walked out on you. I've come to tell you, you don't have to live a child anymore. You're a man. You're a woman. You can do anything that God called you to be. You are a new creation. And there's nothing so broken that God can't redeem. Sure, he'll use your testimony of the past, but your past will not dictate your testimony. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to know more about Faith Bible College International, please go to faithbci.org. And find out how you can enroll in our programs or partner with our mission. Again, thank you for listening to FBCI Podcast. Join us next time for more teaching and encouragement. Remember, you make a world of difference.